I'm Jim Gain. I'm one of the pastors on staff here and uh, had the privilege of helping out at Hume Lake this year uh, with our amazing staff, who's mostly in the room, I think. I haven't seen everybody, but when I say staff, I mean volunteers, part-time, full-time. We have a, a staff just devoted to students in a way that makes me so proud. I am just stoked beyond belief to be walking side by side in ministry with people who work full-time jobs during the week, uh, struggle to get to Bible study just like any of us might come and not just attend, but invest in kids and uh, care so much. And then they go up to Hume Lake. Uh, we pay their way, uh, but some of them are given up. They're, you know, they're not salaried. Uh, they give up their work. Uh, they don't have paid vacations in a lot of cases. And they give up a lot to serve our kids. So I know there's a lot of parents in the room. Could you give them a hand, all our volunteers? We had a great, great year at Hume. We had plenty of spiritual decisions. Uh, you'll hear about some of those here in a minute. And uh, our theme was, it was a silly theme. You might remember the the preview video we showed in church, it was called Bingo, and you always wonder about what's the tie-in, and they, they have amazing writers and amazing production crew, and they do this uh, allegorical teaching of the Bible through the video that ties into the sermons and the Bible studies that we do in the cabins and stuff, and it's just amazing, and to see the whole video all come together piece by piece, and it was on the, the theme was standing strong in a rough culture. Uh, they heard from many pastors about how the kids need encouragement in that area. <coughs> Excuse me. So they put together a series of lessons and a theme around the life of Elijah. And um, myself and Chris and Matt uh, met this week to see what themes hit us the hardest. <coughs> and we came up with three connected but separate themes. And we're excited to share those with you today as we team teach uh, through the, these things that we learned from the life of Elijah this week that encouraged us, encouraged the kids, and hopefully they're an encouragement and a challenge to you as well. Uh, we're going to start off our time together in God's Word with uh, a guy who just loves students, is real committed to ministry and figuring out how to be the best he can in it, and he's doing a wonderful, wonderful job. He's our newest uh, member of our staff uh, after adding Gregory and Colby and Sandra We've been really excited to welcome on board into ministry in a powerful way because he's doing powerful things. This is Matt Burkholder. Like he said, uh, my name is Matt, for uh, those of you who don't know me, and I'm hired on uh, working with the high school ministry um, as an intern, and it's been, it's been a lot, a lot of fun. It's been a total joy to be back here to serve alongside these students and work with a ministry that I grew up in. So I grew up here in the church uh, in junior high and high school and going through these ministries. And it's so cool to be able to give back and kind of play my part and just see these students grow. It's been awesome. And it's been cool going up to Hume Lake, just seeing these students and seeing God work in each individual um, one, one of their lives, and just seeing God move in drastic ways, seeing the bonds, seeing the unity come together. It's truly, truly awesome. And 
kind of the story we looked at, we looked at the life of Elijah and that really this tying in overarching theme of what it means to proclaim God's truth or what does it look like to proclaim God's truth in an ungodly culture. Because like Elijah, we, we live in an ungodly culture, a culture that frankly could really care less or it's just pretty anti-God, anti-God of the Bible. And so, especially for students, junior high and high school, they're just living in this culture. It's like, how can we follow God? How can we proclaim God's truth? How can we share the gospel with our friends um, in an ungodly culture and an ungodly time? So we're going to look at 1 Kings here, 17, verses 1 through 7, and we're going to kick it off in the beginning of Elijah's life here as he's introduced in 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. So we'll stop there. So God has basically called Elijah into ministry. He's a prophet. He's God's messenger. Basically, the essential idea of what it means to proclaim God's truth in an ungodly culture, like that's his job. And so God's commanding Elijah here to go, share the good news, share who really is the one true God of Israel. And yet, this first command we get here is for Elijah to hide. And like, how is that supposed to work? Like, that doesn't really make sense if you think about it right, to go proclaim God's truth, and yet, hey, let's, let's go and hide here for a second. And then he gives this outlandish command, so go hide, and then birds are going to feed you, and you're going to drink from a brook. And if you don't, if you caught it earlier in verse 1, uh, God basically sent a drought, and you're going to drink from a natural source of water that's not going to be replenished by rain, so basically it's eventually going to dry up. Like, it just doesn't seem to make sense, Right? God's going to wants to use Elijah to show Israel that he is the one true living God, and yet it just doesn't make sense for Elijah. Like, how, how is this supposed to work? I mean, put yourself in Elijah's shoes for a moment, right? Think about this command, this idea that, like, you're going to be fed by birds. Like, that doesn't sound too appealing. Um, it may be like, I mean, just put yourself in his shoes. Like, maybe a different animal, maybe a different bird, like... Maybe something more majestic, like an eagle or something. I don't know. Um, and then he's got a drink from this brook that's eventually going to dry up. Like, it just doesn't seem to make sense. Elijah's got to be thinking, like, I want to be used here. I don't want to have to hide. I don't want to be fed by a bird. Like, this just seems so outlandish, so, like, out there, far-fetched idea. Like, how is this going to work? It, it goes against all common sense. It doesn't seem to make sense. But look what God does. Look what God does in verse 6. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So even when it doesn't make sense, even when God gives this crazy command to Elijah to go and hide, that he's going to be fed by birds, he's going to drink from a brook in a drought, even when it doesn't make sense, God shows up and provides. And we see this throughout the story of Elijah as God later in verse 7, it says that the brook does dry up because there is a drought and then Elijah is sent to a widow, right, a widow for food. He said, go, go to the widow, and she'll provide you food. Like, that still doesn't make any sense. Like, how is that supposed to work? 
that a widow providing for her household, which it says in verse 12 that she's preparing their last meal that they may eat and die. Like they're about to starve to death, and yet Elijah's supposed to go to this widow in her household, and he's going to be fed. And again, we see God provide. God show up. God is showing himself trustworthy to Elijah, saying, here, here, trust me. I've got it under control. No matter how, it may not make sense to us, it may not make sense in Elijah's mind, but it makes perfect sense in God's. And we see that. And it's, it's radical, it's super awesome. And so I think of this idea of what, what, if we're, what does it mean, what should our response be if we're completely convinced that God is trustworthy? Because he is. Elijah showed us, I mean, throughout the life of Elijah, he's, he's telling Elijah, hey, I'm trustworthy. I got this. He's got a plan. What if we're completely convinced that God is trustworthy? And we see that he is. Throughout his word, we have the greatest evidence in the New Testament, the gospel, that God sent his one and only son to die for us. That once we were separated from God, destined to death, that he, he God, because of Jesus, he made us alive. He unified us with God that we might have forgiveness of sin. If that doesn't make us trust God, I don't know what does. And he's calling us to trust him, that he's got it under control. And so we need to own our faith. And so look at the response here. The response here in verse 5, okay, what's Elijah's response? He went and did according to the word of the Lord. See, God used Elijah because he trusted and obeyed God. He trusted and obeyed God. And to, in order to be used, in order to own up your faith, we're called to trust and obey God. We have this mandate, the Great Commission, to make disciples, to share the gospel, to share the good news, to love other people the way God has loved us. And it takes trusting and obeying him to take ownership of our faith. And just like Elijah, you know, God, God was able to use Elijah because he trusted and obeyed. He did what God was said, and he's calling us to do the same. Good morning, everybody. I am not Bruce Garner. I'm Chris Wakelin. I'm the junior high youth uh, pastor. If I'm at Hume Lake, they call me youth pastor, but when I'm at home, my wife calls me just a youth leader. She keeps me very humble, just so you know. Um, before, uh, I, I really want to thank the staff. They're right here, a few of them. Graham Gusky, um, he's, he's been helping us in junior high now for at least three and a half, four years. It's awesome to see him grow. He was on fire at Hume. Um, his cabin, it was, it was just awesome, and I'm just so proud of him. He's getting ready to go to uh, Grand Canyon University, so be praying for him. We'll be losing him. We had Erin up there. I don't, we don't know. Um, Erin, maybe give a wave. That was her first time at Hume Lake, and uh, she got to go up as a junior high counselor. Um, kind of a last-minute thing, um, but it worked out. It was awesome. Um, Kylie Burkholder, who's not here, it's Matthew's sister and Hannah's sister. Hannah was up here leading a little bit. She's at college already. Tremendous help. Um, we are missing her. And then Rachel Thomas, who's kind of the, the Hume person all year, all year getting Hume together. Uh, she bumped up. She got called up to the big leagues uh, last minute, and so she was missed, but just... Please give a round of applause again, just for the staff. <clears throat> a lot goes into it. Um, I just want to just thank uh, everybody that could be here. 
it's amazing to see these kids back here worshiping and seeing them uh, go from playing the drums and then bumping down and then leading a song. And then we got this guy going. I mean, there's a lot of talent up here. And it's just tremendous to see uh, God pull it out of them. No fear, up here worshiping, singing, just letting it all loose. Um, I just, I'm just so grateful for that and, and just to see the growth that, that's going on here. Uh, Hume Lake this year was tremendous. We had on the junior high side, I, I believe, 12 to 13 kids either realize their need of stepping and, and trusting into Jesus. That was the big thing up there was trust into Jesus. It's not necessarily, I believe in Jesus, this historical figure. He was awesome. He was great. He taught a lot of great stuff. No, we were challenged to trust into Jesus. And we had kids, 13, 12 to 13 of them stand up Tuesday night and trust into Jesus. So give a round of applause for that because... And it's, it, that was God's word. It was just his word. They were being challenged. They were, um, they were really made to think. And what I want to look at today is, is something that we all, I think, can really um, be encouraged by. And Elijah makes this awesome stand. And that's what, what I want to look at today is, is that not only are we to learn about God's word and to worship God, but we are to stand on his word and we're to be challenging um, ourselves by standing on what we believe in. So let's look at 1 Kings 18, verse 20. And we got this awesome moment. I mean, I think a lot of you, if you've grown up in the church or you've read the Bible a lot, this is kind of the, the cool, awesome, amazing display of God's, you know, power and his faithfulness. And I want to encourage you. I encourage first service. Read through this, first Kings. There's so much application for us nowadays. We got someone standing, and he's on fire, and he's doing great, and he loves the Lord, and then God tells him to go here, and then there's just so much. If you guys read through this, that's very challenging for us. But what I want to look at is, is, is this verse. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. So a little context here is that there were prophets uh, for, of Baal. Baal was an idol that people just kind of, you know, made up. And he is this, this God of rain and God of all these different things. And, and the people were following God, but they were mixing in this idolatry. And, and they were in a really, you know, confusing situation. They didn't know which way to go. And, and God sent Elijah in there to proclaim truth and to say, listen, this is God. You need to serve him. Because in, in what the second commandment is that you shall not have any idols before me. So it's pretty standard. God's just showing how faithful he is. And if people want to have idols, there's consequences. And so these people were, were going into this, this weird, confusing place. And so Elijah's on the scene, and he's saying what this verse says. And I think it speaks to a lot of us in here, that at times we might follow God, and then we might get caught up in this world and caught up in things, and we get off a little bit. And then God has a way to bring us back. But getting back to this and getting back to where we're at as believers in Jesus, we need to be standing firm on what the Bible says. And more importantly, what does Jesus say? 
because we all come together as believers. We get encouraged here. We worship the Lord. We sing. We get encouraged by the scriptures. Hopefully, we're going home and reading it, but we all have places of wor- where we work. We have students that go to school, and we're in a culture that is getting increasingly more hostile to what we truly believe. And what I want to encourage us by is, is John 14.6. John 14.6. It's a good memory verse. Jim's got it down. Jesus says that, uh, I got to look because I don't have it memorized yet. Okay, it's it. John 14.6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay. No one comes to the Father except by me. That is very countercultural. That is something that we have to honestly believe. We cannot get to the Father unless we have a believing faith into Jesus Christ. We have to believe he died on the cross for our sins. We have to confess our sins to him, not just once, daily. We've got to always be aware of things that we have in our lives. But it's, it's standing on that truth in our culture that I think a lot of us get very overwhelmed because, oh, I'm not a theologian, or I don't know all the Bible, and, and I'm, I'm this and that. Trust what Matt was talking about. God can use all of us uniquely. We all have different talents. But just take what you have and trust God, and he will use us all in ways that are beyond us. And so that's what I want to encourage us by. Stand on these truths. Go out proclaim, and and just thank God. Thank God that he's so good and that he saved us. And I just want to thank you for, for your attention. Oh, my goodness. How great are those guys? It's such a privilege to work with them. And yeah. We laugh, we study, we think, we, uh, <clears throat> together, the three of us, and again, the staff, we're just super burdened for uh, the lives of students. Somebody asked me the other day, what do you think the greatest mission field on the earth is? And I said, students. Um, I just think that we're at a time in our, uh, our American culture, especially, but even globally, where we really have to help our kids Uh, figure out and understand the depth of Christ's love and the vital importance of being committed to him to have built your house on a rock instead of on sinking sand, uh, like Jesus talks about in Matthew 7. And what I love about Crosspoint these last several years is how committed we are as a church to that. The people in this room, the people in the first service, uh, just an amazing sense of us being part of the body, whereas in, you know, my earlier generations, I think we used to feel like redheaded stepchildren in the corner over there just kind of playing and doing whatever we, we were doing our own thing while the big people were doing their own thing, and it's just not like that anymore. Um, we serve side by side with students as adults here. VBS was amazing. Uh, there's just a lot of connection, a lot of unity, a lot of love and support. Your prayers, your encouragement, your financial support, uh, has just been off the hook. So thank you very much, church. Um, we saw, like Matt and Chris shared, we saw a lot of spiritual decisions. What grieved me about Hume, and um, we're, hope, we're gonna try and remedy this throughout the, the year, but one of the things that grieved me about Hume, I think we walk around as uh, adults, um, and for sure as kids, with very little opportunity to speak into 
or about our weaknesses and our struggles. And what Hume like feels like on one hand is that a year of struggle builds up and it gets released in the cabin at Hume Lake, which is great. I'm super glad that's there. Uh, but I feel like we need those opportunities a little more through the course of the year. It's a lot to hold on. And uh, again, just your prayers, your encouragement, your smiles on a Sunday morning means so much. So thank you very much for that. I'm going to be taking us to First uh, Kings 19 bef- before we look at the verse of Scripture. Raise your hand if you've been to Mod Pizza yet. Anybody been to Mod Pizza? How about any, just a build your own blaze, a build your own pizza place, you've been to one at all? Come on, people. You got to go to Mod, by the way, it's the best. I think it's the best. Uh, I went six times in eight days when it first opened. Uh, <laughs> and the reason why, I liked it a lot, but I never went alone. Uh, I was taking people with me. Because when you have something that you enjoy, that you think is special, that you appreciate, and you find it worth sharing, when you really believe in it, you share it. You actually share it. And it might be a restaurant. It might be a movie or a TV show. We've all done it. It could be a sporting event or a new car. You want others to experience the joy and the satisfaction, maybe the love that you're experiencing in your life. So when you have something you appreciate, when you have something you truly believe in, a very natural human tendency is to share that with others. And we can see that same commitment in the life of Elijah. As Matt and Chris described, Part of what he was doing was sharing the faith of God, sharing the reality of God with King Ahab and with the nation of Israel, and consequently with people who didn't believe in God either, because mixed in were people who were worshiping Baal. In fact, King Ahab, who should have known better, married Jezebel, and uh, she was a Baal worshiper. And things like Chris said got confused, they got messy, and in the mix of all that, Elijah went to share his faith in God. But he does it very specifically and very intentionally with those people in the corporate sense, but then he does it in an individual personal sense too. Here in verse 19 of chapter 19, speaking of Elijah, it says, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him, which was a cultural way of saying, hey, come with me. I want to tell you what I know. I want to show you what I know. I want to share with you what has been so significant in my life so you can go out and share it also. And our faith in Christ, mine is, and I believe yours is, you're in church today, you're Maybe you're here and you're curious and you don't know this yet, and we pray for you that you would know it. But the source of faith, when you are tuned into God in a, in a real vital sense, no matter what's going on around you, it's a source of joy. It's a source of love. It's a source of truth. And we know that. And it's got value to it. The Bible says that there's no greater love that a man can pour out in another than a man lays down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for us. It's the greatest love possible. I think Mod Pizza is the greatest pizza you could participate in for make your own. It's awesome. And it's not fattening, by the way. Right? (laughs) I think Jesus Christ 
the life with Jesus Christ, a life of forgiveness and love and peace and hope and encouragement through struggle is the very best life a person can know, any person, no matter where they stand, no matter how much money they might have, no matter how much stuff, material goods they might have, no matter how successful they might have, all on the positive side, by the same token on the negative side, no matter how destitute or depressed or discouraged they might be. The best life we can know is in Jesus Christ. He's true. He's loving. He's eternal. And life with him is all those things and so much more, and it's worth sharing There was a kid who came home from camp last Saturday, and when he got home, his parents blessed him with the opportunity to mow the lawn. (laughs) How cool is that? And when he was done, he asked his mom if he could go to McDonald's, which is right around the corner from his house. And he asked if he could go there because he wanted to act on a commitment he made at Hume Lake, which was to share his faith. And he gathered together five or six of his friends. I can't remember if it was five or six, but it was five or six. One was Jewish, one was Muslim. The other three did not know Jesus Christ. And what he wanted to do was what he was challenged to do at camp. He wanted to share his faith. He wanted to tell his friends why he was gone for the last week. So he pulled out some video and he pulled out some pictures on his phone. And he shared what God did in the week of Hume Lake for two hours with his friends as they asked him questions and as he shared biblical truth and he shared his heart with these friends who he loved and who he wanted to experience the same valuable, awesome, loving, kind Savior that he knew. His name's Hayden Serta. He moved to Texas two days ago and we're very sad to lose him. But what an awesome testimony of a kid who found his faith so valuable that he found it worth not only owning, not only standing up for, but worth sharing. And then I had a parent reach out to me this week and say, hey, you probably should mention this. And, and she's absolutely right. And it's the kind of thing I'm so grateful for the, the point out because it's the kind of thing I'll just take for granted and go, boy, that's super cool, but maybe not share it. Here's the thing. We have a ministry that uh, we cooperate with. We help support even Uh, It's a high school ministry called Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and um, they do amazing ministry, and they they put Bible studies on uh, high school campuses, and they empower students to lead those, to be leaders, to not only lead the Bible study, but to organize FCA events, to promote in their school, to do the kind of things, to stand up for Christ in a very public way, and again, in an antagonistic, increasingly antagonistic uh, culture there in the public school. And from Crosspoint Church, we have five leaders in Fellowship of Christian Athletes putting their faith out there, sharing it, risking ridicule, risking uh, persecution to the extent that it might happen on a public school campus. And we're super proud of that. I actually think that's worth applause, personally. I don't mean to... And while we have those leaders, we also have kids that participate and they're inviting their friends in there. And from there, that's a platform into inviting them to church, into Bible study. It's it's an amazing, amazing opportunity for our kids to participate with. And here at Crosspoint, we share our faith regularly. You're active doing that. I know you are. And we're excited that people are pouring faith into their own children in their homes. I look at, you know, the, the email was super complimentary of our ministry why we have those kids, but I look at those five kids and go, 
they have parents who are committed to their faith, their faith being poured into their children. And so we're so excited that's happening, and we get to cooperate and partner with you in building up your kids' faith. It's awesome. You're sending kids to Hume. That's that's pouring faith out there. Uh, you're supporting missions. You're serving in VBS. You're serving in kids' ministry and children's ministry. You're leading home groups. You're not just participating, but you're leading. Uh, you're hoping to pour out in other ways. Maybe it's Bible study. Maybe it's men's ministry. Maybe it's one-on-one -on -one discipleship. God's been really working in our church over the last year and a half, almost two years, perpetuating people, learning faith, pouring it into others. It's an awesome thing. Recovery ministry. It's going on on Thursday nights, and it's changing lives, and people are finding how God has changed their life, how he has encouraged their life, how his love has overwhelmed them, and they can't help but share it. And that was Elijah with Elisha, and then later, and we're not going to take the time to look at it, but if you look at 2 Kings, by chapter 6, we see that Elisha had his new partner in ministry. And we see Jesus pouring into the disciples, and we see the disciples pouring into others. We see Paul pouring into Timothy, as well as the churches. And what we find is that the methodology that Jesus Christ and God the Father put together for faith to spread is word of mouth through people who appreciate know and see the value of their faith so much so that they believe in it, they will share it. And Jesus, we thank you for the people you put in our lives that shared faith with us. I thank you for my youth pastor, Britt, for my friend, Fred, for the, the volunteer leaders back in the day when I first came to Christ, for other friends, I thank you for Pine Summit Camp, and I thank you for men's Bible study and for service projects and all the things that have poured into me in my young life that have just been so awesome and something that I've been fortunate enough to be able to share. I thank you that faith perpetuates that what's important to me that's so vital to my life I can share with my kids freely. And then beyond that, we can do that at church and do it with friends and neighbors and coworkers as well as family. And you are a God who is so faithful. You are a God who stands with us in our tough times. And you are a God we want to proclaim as being Savior and Lord. And Lord, I just want to lift up anybody here this morning that might not yet know you, that you're tugging on their heart right now even, their heart's beating a little bit faster, their stomach might hurt a little bit, and, and they're hearing from you. And I just pray they would let down their guard, reach out, and discover the love of Christ in a way that changes them for eternity. We want to help you with that if that's you, and uh, you'll have a chance to respond to that in a second. So thank you, God. Thanks for this offering that puts this place here and ministers so strong, and not just here, but around the world. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.